Uh, last week, we looked at how the Holy Spirit can give us passion. And this week, we are finishing up by looking at how the Holy Spirit can grant us protection. Uh, power, passion, and protection. So I thought I would continue the P alliteration. So my outline today is going to be prayer, prompting, and purity. And I'm reading from the 14th chapter of, God's, uh, of John's Gospel. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Have you ever felt that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? It certainly changed the disciples. After the day of Pentecost, this group of discouraged and depressed and defeated disciples of Christ with no vision and with no understanding are suddenly transformed into this daring and determined band of apostles. And soon afterwards, we see them out into the marketplace preaching about Jesus and Peter and John encounter a lame man and, and, and through their prayers, he is healed and he, he runs to the temple courts with joy and, and wonder and signs are taking place. They are now people of courage. They boldly stand, they boldly stand up against the religious authorities who demand they stop their activities. And their vision has now gone global. They take the gospel first to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria, uh, on to Rome and then to the uttermost ends of the planet. They no longer fear evil or, or death. They're no longer consumed by materialism or greed. They, they gladly share their possessions with the under-resourced, with the poor. All of this because the power of God has been unleashed within them. Or as Jesus called him, the advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. It can be translated as comforter or as helper or as intercessor. But clearly the Holy Spirit was transformational. And it can change our lives as well. So today I want to mention three ways the Holy Spirit can do that. First of all, the Holy Spirit prays for us. Prays for us. Paul writes in, in Romans 8, verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And so here Paul reminds us that in the weak moments of our lives, uh, the Spirit actually intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words, that He is in us asking God to send help from heaven. And so those moments when I no longer have words to offer God, when I find my situation is out of my control, 
or when I am too weak to pray, it is the, the Spirit of God Himself who intercedes for me before the throne of God. And I imagine you've, you've experienced times like this when you're about to do something stupid, when you're about to do something wrong, but at the moment it, it seems like it's a great idea, and, and then there's this thought that, that maybe you shouldn't do it. That's the Holy Spirit working in us. It's amazing how many times the Holy Spirit speaks through my wife. <laughs> Mark, I love you. But that has got to be one of the dumbest ideas you've ever come up with. Please, please don't do that. And more times than not, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through her. Maybe you find yourself in a difficult situation. There seemed to be no good answer, no way out, no avenue of escape. And then suddenly there was a way. One of my favorite stories is Moses at the Red Sea. You all know that story, but I want to tell it to you again this morning. Because the people of Israel, they were so excited, so happy. I mean, this was beyond their wildest dreams. They were finally set free. There seemed to be no way out. But God had made a way, and, and here they were on their way home. But after two days, Pharaoh changes his mind. What in the world have we done letting those people go? And so Pharaoh makes his chariot ready. He gathers his army, and out after Moses they go, and, and after the people of Israel. And I can imagine uh, Satan was whispering to Moses that day at the Red Sea, God brought you all the way out here. Now he's going to let you die. God's going to let you down. The Red Sea before you, Pharaoh and his army behind you. There's no way out. But he also heard whispering to him, fear not, fear not. What voice are we listening to today? You know, so often the way of faith seems ridiculous. How much better, though, to walk by faith than to walk in fear? And so Moses issues this astonishing command. He says, be still. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be still. Now, that's unusual instructions, if you ask me. What about effort? What about personal involvement? What about duty? That sounds so foreign, so strange to our ears. We always say, don't just stand there. What? Do something. But here's just the opposite. Don't do something. Stand there. And watch and see what God's about to do. You see, the Lord was impressing upon them that the mammoth undertaking of, of this project, this army was too big for them. There was literally nothing, humanly speaking, that could be done. Nothing that they could think of in their own intellect. Nothing in their toolbox that was going to fix this. God was their only hope. Reminds me of that verse from Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I wonder if some of us today are trying to solve our own Red Sea problems by our own power, by our own might. But when there is no way out, be still. Listen to the, God's Word. Listen to the Spirit. Be still and allow God to fight the battle for you. And you know how the story ends. The Holy Spirit speaks to Moses. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to move forward. Moses lifts up his rod, stretches out his hands. The waters of the Red Sea part, and Israel goes on through and escapes from the army of Pharaoh. God protected them in a big way. 
The Holy Spirit will also prompt us. Jesus said, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. I wish sometimes he would bring to my remembrance where I park my car. You ever had that problem? Or lose your car keys? But it's the Holy Spirit who, who helps us to understand Scripture. And so before I read my Bible, I, I oftentimes ask God for help and, and understanding. And, and not only how to understand, but also how to apply it to, to, to my daily living so that my relationships are impacted by the teaching of Scripture. And when I need guidance on a, an important decision, the, the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be your, your teacher. He will teach us the truth about God Will, will help us to, to learn about faith and Scripture and prayer. And if you listen, He will guide you as you pursue your life mission. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and his traveling companions are traveling west. And we don't really know where they were headed, but about halfway through the country of Turkey, they considered going north towards Bithynia. But, but Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they said, okay, let's, let's continue the way we're going. They continue to go west. They come to Troas. Troas is a seaport on, uh, on the Aegean Sea. And that night, Paul has a vision, and, and it's a man of Macedonia say to him, come over to Macedonia and, and help us. And so Paul shares his vision with, with his traveling companions. Together they conclude that this is a, a prompting from the Holy Spirit. So they make arrangements, they set sail for Philippi. There they meet a businesswoman named Lydia. They lead her to faith in Christ, and, and she helps start the church there in Philippi. And I love this story because it, it shows us that this whole endeavor is spirit-driven. Paul and Silas are being carried along by this irresistible wind of the Spirit. And I tell you, I yearn for that kind of life. I mean, what if we were all open to the promptings of, of the Holy Spirit? What if we all saw ourselves as missionaries and, and this church as a missionary training school to, to send people out into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and into our city to, to make a difference, to engage people in, with the gospel? How might this community be different? If you were here two weeks ago, you, you heard it implied in the baptism and membership vows that each baptized person here has a call upon their life to be deeply involved in some form of hands-on personal mission through which you can bless other people. God is calling you and I to risk anything, to do anything, to, to change anything in order to help people experience the life-transforming power of God and, and, and encouraged to be in the mission of Jesus in this world. Now, that's scary, isn't it? But the good thing is God never prompts people who are particularly saintly or who are particularly intelligent or imaginative or daring because if that's the only people God chose, then he wouldn't have chosen me. You see, a call is not a desire to accomplish that for which you're competent, but a desire to attempt that for which you're incompetent. And so that calling is really a, a surrender of our incompetency to Christ and to allow him to use us 
despite ourselves. The truth is, it's not about you or me. It's really about God's mission. And it's not really about doing good stuff. You can do good stuff without God. A lot of people do good stuff in this world without giving God a thought. It's really about creating righteous people. It's about multiplying disciples of, of Christ. That is God's calling to us who, who yearn to be prompted into mission with Jesus. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit will also purify us. Now, if I went around the room and I asked you to, well, what came to your mind when you thought of purity? You might have a lot of negative reaction to that. You might think of, of, a, of a standard that you could never arrive at. Or, or maybe you would think of a hypocrite. Or maybe you would think of somebody who was a Pharisee. But what the New Testament means by purity is, is living in the Spirit. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to, to help us to live a, a new kind of life. And we find Paul talking about this, this kind of life in Galatians chapter 5. And in there, in that chapter, he contrasts two different kinds of living. He calls it uh, the, 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 the life of the flesh. And he characterizes that by, he says, by cheap sex, grabs for happiness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming desires, brutal tempers, the inability to love or to be loved, it's about divided homes and uncontrollable addictions. And he says these things are like gravity. They, they naturally pull us down and they keep us from living a different kind of life. It's like the, the law of gravity on this book here. See, I, I can feel the law of gravity pulling on this book. And, and if I let this book go, it's going to clash to the floor. There's something pulling on it. But it can't because I've got a good grip on it. And I am hundreds of times stronger than the pull of gravity on this book. I'm not that strong, but, but I can hold this little book here. And the second kind of life that Paul is talking about is walking in the Spirit. He says that while the pull of gravity is always in there, in your life, pulling on you to, to do the things that he's just talked about, he says the Holy Spirit is also there. And he's calling us to walk at different kind of life. And he says it's characterized by, by love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. He calls these things the fruit of the Spirit. And he says you can't live that kind of life without the presence of the Holy Spirit being in your life and helping you to overcome the pull of that old way of living. I hope this makes sense. See, what Paul is picturing here is, is that the spiritual life is this, is this walk. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage. And, and it's, it isn't necessarily a destination, but it's, it's the beginning of this journey from where we are today to where God wants us to be, where God wants to take us. And so this walk is an uphill walk. There's, there's conflict between the, the, the leftovers of our old way of life and where the Holy Spirit is leading us to go. And so this image of, of walking uh, presents the Holy Spirit as, as being a coach. Now coaching, for those of you who perhaps don't know, it's, it's very hands-on, it's very relational. It's a process of helping a person to be successful. A coach is one who, who offers encouragement and, and resources and, and offers help for, for the athlete to live up to their uh, potential. 
In the same way, the Holy Spirit offers you and I hands-on encouragement and, and growth and encouragement and, and, and maturity. Resources that we need to, to walk up sometimes that steep hill. And like a good coach, the Holy Spirit won't walk that for us, but he will walk beside us, inviting us to keep in step with his promptings, to, to follow his directions, and, and to rely on his encouragement and upon his strength. You see, the, the spiritual life of following Jesus is it's an uphill climb. It's not some stroll through the park. It's a lifelong journey of, of transformation where we are changed into people who, who love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and, and who love other people sacrificially. Sometimes that journey looks dangerous. Sometimes it looks outright impossible when we face challenges that threaten to overwhelm us. Sometimes on that journey we get lost and sometimes we just defiantly sit down and we refuse to go any further. And some people find that journey too hard, too difficult, and they turn away and they start back down the hill. And yet no matter where we are, no matter what we encounter along this, this journey, our coach, the Holy Spirit, is with us, offering us everything we need to take the next step. And so maybe this morning you find yourself stuck. Maybe this morning you're, you're wondering, is my spiritual life any different than it was a year ago or five years ago? Are you feeling discouraged? Do you feel like quitting? Do you feel like turning back? The purifying presence of the Holy Spirit is here to be your coach. And, and what I know when I know what that means, when I, when, it, when I understand what it means to live in the presence of God, it makes me stand a little bit taller spiritually. It makes me want to say, yes, I will, I choose, I decide to be like Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. Holy Spirit prays for us, he prompts us, and he purifies us. The Holy Spirit is all of these and more. The day of Pentecost changed the lives of the disciples. John, who wanted to call down fire on some, on some town, who was known with his brother as, as the sons of thunder, became known as the apostle of, of love. Peter, who was the denier, became uh, Peter the rock. Thomas the doubter became Thomas the confessor. Matthew the, the tax collector becomes Matthew the, the writer of the gospel. Before Pentecost, they all deserted Jesus. But after Pentecost, they turned the world upside down. So how do we live this spirit-filled life? Again, it's so easy. Jesus says to ask. The Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask. Now, you can't catch the wind, but you can be caught by it. You can't take the Spirit and, and make Him fit your mold, but you can turn your life over to Him and let Him mold you and reshape you. And then Jesus tells us the result of all of this. The result of the Spirit-filled life is peace. He says, peace I leave with you. The Spirit in us gives us peace. God doesn't leave us alone, and we don't need to be afraid anymore. But before I close, I want you to understand one thing that's really important. 
that God does all of this. God fills us with this Holy Spirit for a reason. And it's not just about us. It's about us helping others. You see, Jesus has a mission in this world, and he invites you and I to be a part of it. And our vision for you this year is, is to grow to the next level spiritually. And for most of us, that means finding a place where we can serve, whether it's in this church or in this community. And so today we're having our annual uh, ministry fair. And if you aren't serving any place right now, would you go and check out before you leave today what opportunities there are? Seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and just simply ask him, God, where should, I be, where should I be serving you? And where should I be serving your people? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to live in us and to be with us forever. Thank you that you give us your peace and that we no longer need to be afraid. Now, God, send us into the world to help others find what you have so graciously given us, we pray. Amen.